this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, speaking What's of the up? union, yeah, we have a union member with us. Who he's we got? Been, he's been here before. He's back again. Let's welcome back Mr. Jeremy Amen. I rhymed. I rhymed it. You're a poet and you didn't know it. Seriously, I got the skills to pay the bills. Uh, People might remember you from previous suggestions, such as Little John's Derailer, Ned's Atomic Dustbins Are You Normal, Murray Attaway's Enthrall, and Dada's American Highway Flower. You also joined us for a bunch of roundtables like albums of 1990 most recently the dinosaur jr in the 80s our 80s origin roundtable that took place last year there's no theme to your picks some people have themes some people like to stick to a particular genre but yours are all over the place as far as i can tell unless there's some hidden connection between all these records that you're keeping close to the vest there's a da vinci code in there somewhere yes is there a is there some sort of a they're, they're all very early 90s i don't think i don't know if anything i don't know maybe that latest release is murray Attaway. uh Not sure that was 93 dada was 94 Ned oh, yeah. was 92 okay. this is nine uh, uh derailer was 95 the album we're going to talk about is 91 so you have a one from each year hmm Nothing past 95. Interesting. Interesting. So. There's really uh, no pattern, though. There's no pattern. We'll figure it out. Uh, (laughs) There's a pattern in everything, man. The universe is connected. (laughs) Why don't you share uh, with our audience your pick for 2023? So my pick is an album called Tantrum. It's the only album by the UK band Milk. And I specify UK because I feel like there's at least three different bands named Milk that managed to get album releases that people could possibly still find. Um, And I think this one is, I mean, it's, there's actually newer bands called Milk that aren't even rock. I don't know what the heck they are, but they pop up in Apple Music when I listen to this sometimes and I'm like, dude, it's not even close. Use something other than the name of the band, but yep. Just only album. And then they, you know, had a couple other little things, but this is the only album by this band. And um, some of them continued on to do other stuff. I have to, I have to admit here. I had a little bit of panic. I saw the, uh, in the schedule, I just scanned, scanned it. And I saw the word tantrum and I thought it said tantric. He did the band, <laughs> and for a brief moment, I, I, I had my stomach just dropped, and <laughs> thought, my God, I'm gonna have to listen to that album. But I was pleasantly surprised. Definitely not that. It was indeed. It was indeed not that. So you mentioned this is a one and done band from the UK. So how did you come across them? When did you come across them? So, um. I have two older brothers. Uh, the middle brother is the one that, um, like, initially my older brother was introducing me to a lot of stuff. But um, sometime around 90, I want to say 92 or 93, uh, he had come back home for just, I, I think it wasn't like for a long time. Like, he just came back to the house that we were renting, my parents were renting uh, when I was in my senior year of high school. Um, and he had this album on cassette and, and he would just do this every once in a while. He'd be like, Hey, I have this cassette, check this out. Like he had one time he had, I think he actually lent this to me with uh stummery, which was like the SST greatest hits from uh descendants. 
so I got introduced to the, to the descendants and um, Milk at the same time. Um, so that's, that's how I found the band. I didn't hear, I've never heard anything from them on the radio or, or uh, um, you know, Sirius or anything like that through the years, all the different ways that I've listened to music. Only ever heard it on that cassette. And then I eventually found a CD copy for like, I don't know, six bucks or whatever at a place in Oxford and I picked it up. Nice. Do you know anything about this band? Because the internet's thin on, on information. History of the band. So um, I guess as far as like a history of the band thing, um, I think I sent you most of what I know. Okay. Um, I don't know uh, if there's any nuggets that that you've missed and what you've looked up. I can I can fill them in, but any any missing nuggets. But uh, yeah, it is. It's hard to find stuff on them. Um, um, I think the primary resource for me was kind of somewhere between um, uh, information and discogs and maybe like a John Peel site or something like that. Yeah, they were on John Peel's radio show. He, he uh, liked them. So uh, they were three-piece. Um, it's not, they don't give credits for drums, bass, guitar, vocal. It just says Kemlitz, Brown, and Keeler. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you were to suss out who played what. Yeah, I can fill that in. So, okay. um, so Vic Kemlix is the, I believe the person that is singing and playing all the guitars. Um, and then, uh, what is his name? I have it here somewhere. Duncan Brown, I believe is the bass player. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe he later on went to play for stereo lab for a few albums. Um, and then Steven Keeler is the drummer who also goes by chin. Uh, so I believe if you look at the album credits, Chin is credited with all the weird drawings on the album. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's just the name he chose to go by for the artwork. Um, and I don't think I was able to find that he did anything else other than like some sort of uh, some sort of like weird solo thing or something at some point. So Duncan Brown and Vic Keelick Timlix are the only ones that have uh, really gone on to do anything else. Right. Vic was in a band called Skyscraper for about six years and they were on Food Records, which I think that was the label that put out like the first Blur album. Is that right? Uh, well, it's definitely a label that Jesus Jones was on. OK. Um, and so like uh, Crazy Head would have been on there, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think Blur might have. I don't know. I can't remember if Blur came out, if that first album came out on food or not. But uh, I, did, I mentioned Jesus Jones because I, 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 I feel like uh, like Vic Kemlick's voice is somewhere between Mike Edwards from Jesus Jones and Jazz Coleman from uh, Killing Joke. Uh, like every time I hear him, I'm just like, it's kind of, it, it's, it sounds like, like they, you know, something kind of went to the same school of, uh, of, um, kind of crusty cigarette tinged singing and one of them just went in a wildly different direction than the other one after that actually every 90s release by blur was a co-release with food that must be been like the original label that maybe signed them or maybe they were a sub label um and then parlophone was like the major distributor uh for food <laughs> Now I'm starting to wonder if that's the case for for Jesus Jones if they were on food. Maybe I'm thinking of maybe I'm getting the two mixed up now. It's a real it. shame that Milk wasn't on food. I'm just saying. Uh, yes, they were on Eve Recordings in the UK, and they were actually on Electra for their US distribution. Um, via Link, right? Yeah, via Link, Link Records was the Electra label or sub label, or yeah of. Uh, of that um and that had a band that we or a couple bands that we know the 360s and uh head candy two albums that we reviewed in the first year of this podcast were also on link records so not a lot of releases but we are we're, we're going through the link catalog as it you know very slowly over the decades 
Um, as mentioned, this was released in the UK uh, on LP, on on vinyl. And you can pick it up for as little as $3.50 or three, three, a pound, three pounds. Or is it? No, they're, they're, they're in the, uh, they're, they're still pounds. They're still pounds. They're not euros. Um, so you can, you can grab that if you want to. Uh, apparently it's not a, not an expensive pressing. Um, it's, uh, it's probably important to note that this album came out probably the month after all the big albums in 91 came out in October of 91, at least in the UK. Oh yes. That would have been a to give you some, uh, to give you some, uh, you know, when you're thinking about other albums that you might be comparing and contrasting this with around that time, just keep in mind that these guys were probably recording at the same time that those people were recording. Interesting. Let's get into some comments from our Patreon page. We'll share the poll results of where the album better EP or decent single along with our uh, pick at the end of the show. But um, you mentioned if this was going to be our next Garo. Sir, nothing can approach that. Nothing can approach Tokyo anal dynamite. There's the only thing maybe is like Neil Young's arc or metal machine music by Lou Reed. (laughs) Like those are the, those are the only contenders getting close to what uh, that album gave us. Uh, That was more of a prediction for uh, how it was going to do in the polls. Oh, got Uh, it. Yeah. I I ignored the polls because this is, this is an album that, you know, it has a certain place in my heart. It's not like an album that I, you know, have big feelings for, but it is an album that I listen to. And I think, I wonder what other people think about this album. So nothing will shock me. You want to share your music and that's wonderful. That's why we're Love here. It. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jeff Gentis said, sounds like a harsher Green River, Mud Honey, Jesus Lizard. He called it a mencore. <laughs> so you apparently you have your own genre now of music congratulations uh let's get into it let's talk about tantrum by milk j tell me one thing you liked about this record the guitars i mean they pop from on this record uh they're mixed loud and they're they're doing a lot of really inventive things so we start the album off with claws which it showcases this slightly bluesy kind of swagger riff, but then it's accented with these crazy dive bombs and squeals. So right away you're getting guitar in the face. You know you're in store for some twists and turns. Uh, that continues, you know, as you get into, is that it? You hear some like, you know, using guitars and chords, more of like sound effects, like these siren-like guitar parts, um, pitched, pinched harmonics, like all kinds of really expressive, interesting choices different ways to use the instrument still you know i think playing off of a you know fairly traditional core like rock guitar riff and tone but like just twisting and turning it um surgery some really cool like little 
like trill parts, like picking dissonant notes, some really bizarre section in the middle um, with, I don't even know what's going on. Like very strange scales, <laughs> like out of nowhere, like <laughs> the hell scale is that? Um, you know, so just even in songs where, you know, things might feel a little bit predictable, like there's a lot often in these songs, there's middle sections that, you know, guitar wise do some really interesting or bizarre unexpected things um you know so i think the guitars are really compelling they're a lot like i said they're loud almost to the point of the vocal being pushed back um so you really get into the dynamics of how what the guitar player is playing and then also you do hear as you spend more time with the record you know pretty a pretty solid rhythm section um, that can do, you know, I hear sometimes when they're grooving, I hear some stuff that is a little bit more technical, almost like hot seat reminded me in moments like early Soundgarden and the way the bass and the drums were working off each other. Um, and in general, you know, I think the rhythm section is really tight. The bass will pop out here and there. Is that it is a good example where, you know, it almost gets into a primus territory with what's going on with the bass. Uh, there's usually some distortion on it too, which I think helps fill out the mix with the three piece. Um, so I think there's some really cool interplay going on here between the the bass drums and then the guitars are being, you know, pretty much over top the entire record, over the top the entire record. Um, so that's, I mean, I think musically what I'm uh, most compelled uh, buy on this record and you know i think the vocals are diverse and can be strong i'm not focusing on them and what works because it's almost like they're overpowered by the guitar and the and the band so that that's that's what worked for me a lot of good energy too just overall i mean it feels like a you know a vibrant energetic band what worked for you tim yeah the energy and the i could see this band being either a total mess or incredible live uh depending on how tight they were uh it reminded me we we, we did a um an album many many years ago it took me a while to look it up carp their self-titled which was kind of this melvin's sludge metal but like heavy and and you would get these real then these like blazing fast songs um yeah. the guitars were always dissonant um you get like really frenetic energy. And this album reminds me of that along with what you mentioned and what was mentioned in the comments. Like I heard a lot of David Yao and, and Jesus lizard and scratch acid with this album. Um, and I also heard like shellac, you know, the Steve Albini sound with regards to it being a three piece and all that stuff has this chaotic energy that I think is really interesting that I, I you don't really hear a lot of <laughs> bands doing that anymore. Um, but, but the weird thing is, is that you can hear in that some like very straight up metal in that are in things that are happening. Um, and it, some of it is, is sort of taking a very twisted route, like through the Seattle green river sound um that obviously had you know its foot in 70s metal and 80s punk and hardcore and there's that in this record as well there are songs um that sound like they at, at the beginning of certain tracks let's see which one i was talking about um was it a hot hot seat like that song that could be Green River, that dare, 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 dare. Or that could have been like an 80s, like guitar, depending on how the, how, what the tone of the guitar is, that could have been, you know, that could have been an 80s hard rock song. Yeah. Just, just depending on how you play that, how, how that guitar is, you know, the trouble and the bass and all that kind of thing.
it's a really strange record in the way that that carp record was and i i find myself going back to that record every once in a while just because it's so weird and monstrously <laughs> loud um and it's weird that this uh is happening in 91 concurrently with a lot of the sounds but it's in the uk i think i find that really interesting because i don't think of uk bands is playing this this sounds like it would have been from like new york you know what i mean or or chicago or something like that or or some city in the u.s that had loud abrasive music happening at the beginning of the 90s but to know that they were coming out of the uk is i can't like this is the complete opposite of everything that i think of 1991 in the uk i'm thinking of like happy mondays and jesus and mary chain and, and that kind of stuff and this doesn't sound yeah anything like that no um i can't even think of another uk band that sounds like this which is what makes it so interesting yeah hmm that is weird jeremy I mean, maybe that's what made it pop though is just so different yeah uh jeremy what uh you know this is your pick what did you uh what do you liked about this record um i mean initially when i listened to it back in you know 92 or whatever i was just mainly interested in the the energy and just the crazy guitars and um and sometimes just like the sometimes i was just kind of obsessed trying to figure out what the hell they were singing about you know what what, what exactly is it going on about it was kind of confusing to me so those are the kind of the things that i was originally drawn in uh by but going back and listening to it you know recently because it'd probably been a, a year or two since i listened to it um and just trying to analyze it a little bit more I started to realize that there's a lot of stuff that I'm hearing that sounds production wise, you know, like the bass tone and stuff like that. It reminds me of um, cop shoot cops ask questions later. Um, I couldn't like it, like every time I listen to it at some point, the bass would just hit me and I'd be like, that is straight off of cop shoot cops ask questions later. Um, and and I realized that what what draws me back to the album is that I stay away from it for a year or two and then I come back and I listen to it and I'm always hearing something new, not that was not that sounds like it was inspired by something that came before it, but something that sounds like it inspired something that came after it. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me uh, trying to think of of when that I think I think ask questions later might have come out in 92 or 93. So probably a little too close for that to necessarily be an inspiration of any sort. But um, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I heard some of that stuff, but then I also heard some things that kind of had a, um, uh, where they sounded like they might be a little bit inspired by maybe a, uh, a little bit of Primus and Faith No More, a little bit of, um, Mud Honey or, or Green River, you know, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just initially drew me in because it's eight songs. We're going to discount the, the Gregor thing, which I will explain if you want me to, but uh, it's Please eight do. songs and none of them sound the same to me. I mean, they're, they're just very, very different pieces. Um, I mean, they all have similar production styles, you know, I mean, they have a very similar sound, but where they go musically on each of those songs, aside from like the wheelies that he likes to do all the time, um, the, the pinched harmonics and all that stuff, it's... Um, uh, I just uh, I just appreciate it as an album overall. Um, it's a fun trip to go on. But uh, th regarding the um, uh, Gregor, mm -hmm. the, which I imagine they call Gregor because it kind of sounds like a chant, but it's obviously backwards. Um, and what it is is it's part of the vocal melody to a song from their 1990 EP called Birthquake, and the very first song on it is called Tad. And I only recently discovered this. I would hear this album all the time and I would think, I'm going to play that backwards and find out what that is. And I finally did it about a week and a half ago. And because I just couldn't recognize it, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I played it, you know, recorded it backwards, played it back. And I was like, oh, this is the first song off of their first EP. Um, as far as I know, it's their first EP. I've huh. read that they got together like in 86 or something like that. But the only music I can find is from 90 and 91. So anyway, that's where that comes from. Okay. I agree with what you said about 
not all the songs or or the songs not sounding the same it is like a this is this song like this is the song that's all the big double bends and like on surgery a lot of big like like that kind of stuff and then claws has like these you mentioned it jay like there's these scales it's like and i'm like what the what is that thing <laughs> right, he's doing right. i'm like but it repeats so he's not just like playing a random notes like it is some kind of scale of some kind but i don't understand it some of this reminded me in 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 that respect of like into another with uh yeah. that sort of like guitar uh virtuosity that you're just like kind of dazed by the uh, level of skill that's going on yeah and, and knowing that he's singing while he's also playing i mean to be fair there's a lot more guitar playing than there is singing yeah <laughs> but if there's yeah. still that's a lot to cover yeah yeah it, it did remind me of that it, there was like um maybe i would say jane's addiction is the best known but there was felt like a lot of a, a, a pull of vans in the early late eighties, early nineties that were in a space like this, like truly alternative, but from a hard rock eighties rock, almost like background mm -hmm. that were just doing weird, weird shit, like trying to push things. You could hear like some of the musicians in the band were, you know, really, really talented, but they were probably taking a lot of drugs and doing a lot of, like trying to figure out something new and weird to do and you know i think this is maybe an, into another might be a band like that this might be a band like that like trying to take all those you know 80s metal uh riffs they learned in guitar lessons they took and like just turn it and take a complete left turn and do something totally different with it well and it got me thinking about that t-ride album that we just did because that is an album that's on the cusp of you know the 90s and it's a completely different end of, yeah, yeah, we've got some metal influences, but we're going to completely upend that and, right. and do this new thing. And their thing was, we're going to have insane queen harmonies combined with like Janet Jackson, electro drums, right. and right. but it's going to be like this insane rock record. And then this one, you could say, like, when I heard um, beginning of book one, page one, it almost sounded like like a Megadeth song at the beginning that dun, 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 dun. like I was like okay there's guys are definitely I can see them being into thrash like that makes yeah, sense yeah. that they would be into thrash bands Then instead of going in a super pop direction like T-Ride did with their production, this yeah. is just clean room. Just it's very like there. There's it is yeah. not glossy and it is in your face, which is again, like you said, these are all these artists who are like, well, which way we're well, what are we gonna do now? Like I, I thought yeah. when I was 15, I was going to be doing this, but now that I'm like 20 something, I kind of don't want to do that anymore, but I still want to rock. Yep. Yeah. They're, you know, we're, it's, it, they had the same gut instinct that all the other bands that were released albums in the fall of 91 had, they were recording this record at the same time. They just had their own interpretation of like, where do we take this? Right. Which I think is interesting. There were just so many for whatever happened in the culture or whatever like it seemed like everybody at one time got the signal like okay enough of this shit i gotta do something different <laughs> right and 
there was this divergence of like, well, these are all the different things we could do. And then it all sort of settled out over the next year or two to essentially grunge or whatever, you know, however you wanted to find that. Right. I'm just stuck uh, on the fact that they were, I guess, because, you know, sub pop did gain notoriety in the UK before the US. They pushed really hard the Green River, Melvin's, uh, not Melvin's, uh, uh, Soundgarden and and uh, uh, what was the other ones uh, bands that were on that label at that time? Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember who else was on the label at that time, but they they had like a a UK like interest. They were written up in the magazines in like eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety. So I could see that's how you would probably. Dis- I mean, how else are you going to discover Green River? To be honest, yeah. Like if if they were listening to Green River at all, which I mean, we're we're hearing it in retrospect that they sound similar, but they it's entirely possible they never heard Green River. Uh, it just happens to sound close, but you know, there's no internet, so how are you going to discover a obscure band from the Pacific Northwest <laughs> that's that's doing that kind of or malfunction or something? You know what I mean? Like, well, I think that's gonna... stuff that uh, uh, John Peel used to do on his show. Actually, I think that like um, those early sub pop acts like Nirvana with their uh, Bleach album. I think that he was keen on on that, and um, I think maybe Green River or Mud Honey as well. Um, that might be just about the only way that you'd really get anybody in the UK introduced to that stuff. I mean, yeah, us, us in the Midwest hardly knew about it, really. So exactly, I don't know how to make across the ocean, but good PR. That's what it was. Uh, Jay, is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record? My biggest complaint about the record is I just don't think the production matches the band correctly. Um, it's there's too much reverb. There's way too much reverb on the drums. Mm-hmm. I, I like I want to hear this band as like a you know produced by Steve Albini. Like I want to hear them dry, punchy, gritty, you know, raw. There's just too much gloss slapped on top of this and it creates i think more on the songs that are abrasive it actually i think makes them more abrasive because then you end up with like all that reverb you know what i mean just Mm -hmm. clogged up they're hitting these dissonant notes and then it's hitting this delay and a reverb and another reverb and it's just sort of this echo of noise that doesn't i think help um or like a Dave Sardi or something like that producing would be interesting and something that's mm-hmm. really more in tune with what the sound of the band is. It seems like this production is mismatched. It would be a production you'd use for, I don't know, Jane's Addiction or something, you know, or a straight up hard rock band, not a band doing this type of trying to push the boundaries and do things more aggressive. Um, so that that's my biggest complaint. I think this album plays different. And I think, the tones are fine. I think what they captured is probably workable. It just sounds like they added a ton of reverb on top of it. Um, so I think that's holding the record back. I also think after Gregor throwaway track, for me, the album, it, just, it kills the album for me. Those last two tracks are, I perceive them as being much more aggressive than the rest of the record. You know, the rest of the, the record up until that point, like I can hear songs, I can hear melodies emerge, even though there's like dissonance things and, you know, noisy things. I still find things to grab onto and it feels musical to me. After Gregor, and then we get into the, the last two songs, I lose that and it just feels like no, more noisy and just aggressive and less musical. Uh, it kind of loses the script for me a bit. I don't know if that's those two songs are actually that way, or that's the way I perceive them after sitting through Gregor and then skipping it <laughs> and being annoyed I have to skip it. <laughs> um, so th- that's that's mostly what's what's not working for me. Production and then it, it fizzles at the end. Anything that worked for you, Tim? Um, I agree with you. There is a, a little bit too much reverb on this record. I think. I, I I like Vic's vocal. I just don't 
think he's coming up with the most interesting melodies, um, which I, I understand is sort of second concern when you're building these songs. I mean, yeah. but when I think about other people in this space this, who have this sound, um, you know, David Yao would be sort of, because I mentioned Scratch Acid and uh, Jesus Lizard would be comparable. I feel like he like occasionally finds like a word or a phrase that it's, that's interesting and, and can turn it into a hook, even if it doesn't really seem like a hook. Um, and he's just got a personality and I, I don't know that this band separates itself in the vocal department. And that's probably why it's so obscure because musically yeah. it's intense and crazy and cool. And a lot of people should be like, Oh, there's this awesome band that nobody's heard yeah. of. But I think because the vocals are just sort of average that it doesn't get, it doesn't get that push the way that like, you know, people talk about like the white octave as being like this band. That, oh my gosh, that band, they were so good. Yeah. Uh, and like they could have that sort of like underground, you know, talk years later if maybe there was just something on here that was just like a little bit hooky not yeah. a pop hook just a, a good a, a good catchy line or or phrase or something like that so that was really the only thing that just didn't um jive with me jeremy anything that doesn't work for you well first of all the the Gregor bit, the what minute and twenty seconds of backwards singing by itself, it sounds like it's in a, it's kind of reverbed out. Um, I you know usually when there's like a throwaway track, um, it bothers me less and less the more I listen to the album. This is probably the, it's probably because it's a minute and twenty seconds um, with nothing but that vocal seemingly no purpose to it it kind of breaks up the album and i can see what jay's getting at with the last few tracks um uh i mean there's still things that i like about them but like when i listen to pyrosulfate the thing that i think about the most is i feel like it's the song that the bass player hates playing the most <laughs> because there's just this repetitive do 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 just uh, just over and over again on the bass where yeah. it seems like forever i'm like if i was the bass player i would want to if it's his own idea, then, you know, it serves him right. But if it's something that Vic was like, hey, this is what I want you to do on the bass, he should have been like, screw you. We're going to do a little bit more or a little bit less, but I'm not doing this over and over again. Um, um, really, for me, in the vocals, like, it's funny that you mentioned Megadeth earlier because I actually made a note. I, I feel like in some ways this is kind of, it has kind of a, a Megadeth feel to me and that not, not like musically per se, but just this kind of attitude of like, you know, hey, I'm a guitarist. I think I'm a good guitarist and I think I can write songs and who better to sing them than me? Because, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I mean, those, those first couple Megadeth albums especially, which... I think at least one of those was produced by the band or produced by Dave Mustaine, if I'm not mistaken. Similar to this situation, Milk, I think, produced this album. Yeah. Um, just really rough sounding and some bad choices made in the recording or not enough takes being taken. Um, that's just how I feel. I, the, the reverb, yeah, definitely. I'm used to it now. I've listened to it enough that it just kind of makes me chuckle. But um, if I had cared about production back in 92, that probably would have been a big turnoff for me. But I mean, I was like digging back into the old, you know, SST stuff with Dinosaur Jr. And some really bad sound, bad recording quality on that stuff. So it, you know, it didn't bother me back then and it doesn't really bother me now. But yeah, I can see, like I said, this is kind of an album where I was like, let's see what other people think about this because my opinion is heavily skewed because I got this when I was 17 years old and, and just liked it from the beginning. Dave Mustaine produced Peace Cells. Who's buying? Mm -hmm. 
their 1986 album. The thing about Megadeth to me was, and I haven't spent a ton of time with their catalog, but I have listened to a number of records, even though obviously they were like super heavy and fast. It's like the guitar still somehow felt like small at times with him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was like the compression or just the the frequency of his guitars, but yeah, they yeah. never felt as big as like Metallica guitars. Metallica guitars felt like a sledgehammer a lot of the times and, and Megadeth did not always feel particularly heavy. It maybe, and again, you know, he would do a lot of like really showy off things. So maybe it was just him. That was better for his tone. Um, showy off. That's a, my new phrase. <laughs> but uh, how oh, we now we've never really covered Megadeth on this no, podcast and they're uh, kind of important to the 90s. I mean, they had multiple yeah. popular albums. In the nineties, uh, in the nineties band, yeah, that was that was their biggest decade, though. I mean, yeah, that's the yeah. tough thing about you know it's hard to it's one of those like can you dig out Megadeth? You know, I mean it, it's uh, I mean I, I mean I probably listened to, uh, um, uh, oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on the album title now? I just I shared a joke version of the album of, of the cover. Uh, Countdown to Extinction. Euthanasia? No, no, no. The one before that. Um, uh, with Rust in Peace? And... Rust yes. In peace. So yeah. Rust in Peace is my go-to Megadeth yeah. album. Yeah. Like, I, I played and, and I think that. The, the, the comparison to, go, you know, the Megadeth Metallica thing is, I think that Megadeth kept the sound smaller because, honestly, I feel like they were doing more interesting things during the court, during the verses of the songs and in between the verses of the songs than Metallica was. Yeah. Uh, just musically, I just feel like it was, I don't know, a little bit of kind of a, uh, just more, more interesting stuff was happening. Metallica was like, yeah, they're big and tough and it's fun and it's cool, but you're just waiting for the solos as far as the guitar goes, pretty much. It's like, yeah, they got a big chunky riff, but where's that solo? Anyway. Megadeth would be fun in the 90s for me because I listened to Rust in Peace a ton. I listened to Countdown Extinction, but I don't think I've ever heard Risk. I don't think I've ever heard cryptic writings. Like there's the whole second half yeah. of the decade, they put out records that I don't even know, which is euthanasia was the last one I listened to all the way through. And I, 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 I felt like it was I kind of a disappointment. Heard, maybe heard the radio sing- singles from that. Because that, at that point, they were a radio band. Which Train so of Consequences. I remember that. Yeah, and I don't. I think Trust was the single off of Cryptic Writings, and I don't remember another song off of that album because mm-hmm. um, we were still in college at that point. So it probably came in like the single probably came into the radio station in '97 when that came out, but I don't remember a dang thing about that record. Um, but I do remember listening to Countdown to Extinction, and and uh, well, pretty much that one. I I think I dabbled with euthanasia <laughs> i dabbled <laughs> i think i gave it a listen or two but that is a sound bite that you don't want coming back to bite exactly later. please don't take me out of context when i'm at my first debate in uh, for the school board <laughs> <laughs> timonichi dabbles in euthanasia <laughs> anyway and even if you try and change it uh, to mean youth in Asia, it still sounds bad. Terrible. Jared Vogel. Yeah, let's get so. out of this. Let's let's yes. pull the ripcord on this section right here. Um, so uh, this came out in 1991, and there was this was not going to. This is the week after. <laughs> never mind, and right. two weeks after uh, Use Your Illusion. So this ain't doing nothing, folks. On on American radio, maybe college radio. That's about it. But it has to be the college radio that actually is a little bit adventurous because even in 91, you're not getting on like mainstream college radio. Like this would not have been on WFAL. It would have had to have been on like a specialty show or they'd kick it over to WBGU where they played like the weird underground music. Like our station was too, even though it was a college radio station, it, was, it wouldn't, I don't think, play something like this. Uh, this obscure. Yeah. Just, Probably didn't even get serviced, to be honest. Probably didn't even. Get, I I doubt we got a promo CD, right. uh, because I don't even see and it didn't one come here listed. until ninety two. I think. Yeah, it came out in ninety two in the U.S. and there's no promo copy listed, which means they 
they might not have even sent it out unless you know maybe a few copies here or there but usually if there's a promo copy it's in discogs and it's not listed there so no radio version went out maybe for a single but i don't see anything for the album uh well let's get into our overall ratings on this record were the album better ep or decent single we'll share the poll results shortly but jay where do you land i'm going to land at an ep i'm just going to take the first six tracks you know i think those leave you wanting more which is a good thing um as opposed to i think keeping the last two and going through gregory you're sort of even at 39 minutes you're still i don't know at least i was uh it's a lot of information there's a lot going on um i think at six songs i'm more intrigued and like want to go back and, and play it again uh, so i think i think i'm landing an ap where are you at tim interesting so i agree with you gregor's out the door uh that should be like the hidden track number 99 i don't yeah. even want it to follow directly <laughs> i want it have to go to count it up to all the other missing tracks yes um and book one page one i think if that song was like three minutes instead of five and a half minutes it would be more palatable there's so much dissonance in that song it's like okay um so i would go with seven songs and that's pretty short seven songs we're probably looking at like 30 something minutes i guess that's an album i guess that makes it an album yeah. so i'm gonna say we're the album so I think like you, I think the first six songs, first six songs are strong. Um, it just, uh, yeah, that Gregor track is not my cup of tea. So, Jeremy, where are where the album? Better EP? Who's right? Who's wrong? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with where the album, but I mean, again, my, I'm, you know, it just sticks with me more as time goes on. It's a, it's a good, uh, um. It's a fun album to listen to, and it, too, and it reminds me of a, a weird time in my life. Um, so, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. Um, I will say, if you find an EP here, um, maybe check out the two, uh, I guess you'd call them singles. They were basically two, three song singles. I, guess. I can't even call them singles because the, the names of them are, not, they're like really mini EPs. One came out in 90 and one came out in 91. Um, first one's called Birthquake. Uh, I can't remember what the second one is called, but they are streaming on Apple Music. Um, per, per, Perambulator, I think, or something like that. I think it's the second one. Um, sure. Uh, it's still a very similar sound. Uh, in some ways, it sounds a little bit like you would expect the band to sound a little bit earlier on um and then maybe explores a like maybe one or two other sounds in those six tracks uh that you don't hear on this um so you could probably take a couple of those songs and put them with this and you know find a way to make the track listing work for a, a pretty good you know eight or nine song album i think those those three songs that are in each of those are collected on one single um, like EP, it's called Rash. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe they like put that out on CD to collect because it doesn't. Well, it looks like it was LP and CD. Um, keep it on Rough Trade. Oh, um, something I forgot about with those is um, a couple of those songs are some of these songs in their infancy. So slightly, you know, different arrangement. Y you can hear some of the. The, the the melodies in there but then they just have completely different lyrics and uh you know a change in production and arrangement um i think uh there's one called wings which i think is actually an early version of claws um so it's it's you know for somebody that likes to go back and you know listen to the evolution of the band um you know this you know listen to those listen to this and then maybe check out skyscraper as well um they're they're on Bandcamp. And uh, I think one of their albums on Bandcamp has a shitload of extra um, tracks that you don't get on the CD. Like the CD is like 12 tracks. And I think on Bandcamp, it's like 20 something. So worth checking out, free to listen to. I think because of the obscurity of this band, um, it's their stuff is pretty 
reasonably priced on discogs because so they have the album the and then the two eps which you could either get them each separately or you could get the rash combination um but basically you could get all four of those releases plus the um hot seat girth seven inch for ten dollars like you like that's how they're all for like a buck fifty two fifty all vinyl too that's what's interesting uh so you can pretty much pick up the whole catalog for <laughs> the cost of a cup of coffee uh because coffee's expensive now yes um well our poll over at patreon shook out like this 33 percent were the album 17 percent better ep 50 percent decent single so i suspected i i I think it was brave of you. I I agree with what you said that there are albums that you enjoy, and you as in the universal you, that you enjoy, and you want to share them with people. But you're like, ah, nobody's gonna like. This is so weird. This is so not, or not weird, or like this only scratches an itch for me, and nobody I know this also does this scratch an itch. Uh, like I could never show I, anybody like, like try to explain Aphex Twin to somebody. It's like I, well, it's I electronic some, music, uh, but not. I have some weirder guilty pleasure from the '90s. Um, I might, in future picks, I might bring some of those in too. I think guilty pleasure is different than this is a difficult album. Like the Funk Junkies are are a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't hesitate to show anybody that <laughs> their cover of "I Love It Loud." like that's that's a that's an instant uh call up on alexa i didn't set her off okay um well thanks jeremy thank you for bringing this record to us thank you this is clearly this is like if you go look at our mission statement this is what it's all about finding the stuff that never would have discovered this never would have found this album if it hadn't been for Jeremy bringing it to the podcast, because who Especially knew now with, with so many bands named milk. I mean, oh, well, that's true. That's too. <laughs> that's true as well. I'm with you on when this album ends, it always starts playing this most random stuff. Like usually like Apple music does a pretty good job of like keeping in the same vibe. <laughs> Not with this record. Um, And I have to ask, because uh, we're all from, well, I mean, Jay, you're from kind of the Cleveland area, right? Yep. And yep. Uh, and um, so we've got we've got Cleveland, we've got Buffalo, and then we have Cincinnati. Um, it was a long time uh, in my life before I heard somebody pronounce what I say as milk as <laughs> milk with the M E L K instead of the M I L K. I had a discussion with my wife about this, and she was just like, "Well, what's wrong with that?" And I was like. I was like, well, I mean, imagine if you pronounced other words that have an I-L in them with an E-L sound. It would be very, you know, I have to go home. I'm feeling L, you know, or, it, it, you know, it's just, I just started going off and like coming up with other other things. So I was kind of like, I couldn't remember. I knew that one of you pronounced it, at least one of you pronounced it that way. Milk. And I was like, okay, so is this a buffalo I say thing? Milk. Or is this- I say milk, yeah. Milk. So maybe it's more of a- um, Mel, milk. Maybe there's like- Milk. A, I gotta like milk. Milk hurts my. It hurts the um, roof of my mouth when I do it that way. Milk. I get I mean, scolded, say, scolded by my you wife say will, whenever I say it too. You say will instead of well. You say ill instead of l. You say pill instead of pell. So why wouldn't milk be milk instead of milk? That's the thing that's always confused. Me. This is a this is a Gallagher <laughs> routine, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I Thursday I was probably. Back. Like in my twenties, before anybody ever told me, like I had never noticed. I think I don't know if it was my wife or somebody said, "Like, why do you say it that way?" I was like, "What do you mean, <laughs> Jay? What do you rest your head on at night?" A pillow. So I say it pillow. Sounds like there's an e sound there. He yeah, says pillow. Is. So that's where he and I differ because I say pillow, yeah, as no, God intended, pillow. and he says pillow, like a Satanist. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's a uh, line thing or what, but yeah, I or just honestly, what do you call first... what do you call a, a carbonated beverage? 
Uh, now I say well, soda, but soda. Yeah, I used to I, say we always said pop where I came from. Oh. And uh, now it's kind of like it's interchangeable. You know, I probably say soda more now because we always refer to uh, uh, Black Francis, uh, you know, saying the thing about buying me a soda. And well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then never mind. Which song is that in? It's um, is it on Bone Machine? which song that is i think you're right yeah i because i'm hearing that in my head and the the cadence sounds like it's from that song yeah um I, like yeah, i, I could recognize the lyric but i just couldn't place it but uh any other words jay that uh, you pronounce incorrectly <laughs> i think those are the two biggies that i get called those on. Are the two what about water so you, do either of you do water with the r no we're not from pittsburgh <laughs> no but in texas i'm joking i'm joking the the big chain is Whataburger, and everybody here calls it Whataburger. Or no, I'm sorry, it's Whataburger, and everybody here calls it Whataburger. Ew. I don't know. Although why I do put I a little bit of water in when I make a hamburger patty, so you know, I guess that's fair. It, it's so bizarre. So wait, you got Wahlburgers and Whataburger? Yes. I'm jealous. <laughs> Are those both yes. smash burger type places? No, Whataburgers. Uh, it's like a McDonald's. Like, I mean, it's better than that, but it's you know that's type of menu. And so he's like, have you read Swenson's? I have not, but I'm aware of it. Have you, Jeremy? No, I, I don't get to travel much. Um, well, they open one so. literally around the corner from my house, and I had never had it, and that's like one of my favorite burgers now because it's just like. It, it you like you said it's like McDonald's but like a hundred times better. It's not this huge burger. It's not like like we have a Shake Shack now too, and yeah. to get like burgers for me and Katie is like thirty five dollars. Yeah, where, where Swenson's I can go up and get like you know two burgers, onion rings, and a milkshake, and it's like twelve dollars. I have to experience this now, so I'm gonna find an excuse like a concert or something in the Columbus area. Yeah. Um, and and come up there and uh check this place out you know i'll, I'll try trying to get you and uh who else is up there? is it patrick and chip are they both up in that area pat and chip yeah they're both up here dewey uh who's been on and off with the show um he's here as well in fact uh, chip and dewey over the weekend were at stabbing westward together uh they played and i get a, i get a text from doing he's like why aren't you here man this is like prime <laughs> di- didn't even know it was happening and it's like, been covering it live sam i know i should i should have been down there with my <laughs> west nestman on the scene uh you want to dig me out invasion of Swenson's. it's it's gonna happen yeah i i you know it's cool like pulling up your car and having them run over and doing the old school way um uh I think the original one is an Akron. Yep. Yeah. That's why that, I probably haven't seen it in Cincinnati yet. So not it's everything been around is great. a long time. <laughs> like I oh, tried their like pulled know, pork. It wasn't great. And, you know, like I think was it Mark Twain that said that basically inferred that everything happens in Ohio much later than, you know, like at the, the end of the world, you go to Ohio because it happens later. Um, Cincinnati is the Ohio. Oh, of wow. Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everything happens in the rest of the state, and then it makes its way to Cincinnati. We do um, have a skyline, also. I have like a, a insane amount of uh, fast food within like thirty seconds of my house. Well, it's yeah, crazy. The, maybe the the most redeeming part about Columbus. Yes, the yeah. fast insane amount of fast food. world. <laughs> and there's, there's a like, chain. It's there. We've got like one of the best taco places in the state, right around the corner, and there's this uh, Indian place that. Uh, they have um, biryani, which is a spicy uh, Indian, like really spicy. And Jay, let me tell you, after two times going to the local wing place and being completely unfazed by their wing sauce, I got the lowest level of the biryani and it like I was sweating through my eyeballs. It was so yeah. hot. I don't know. I, like, I'll even say, please, for the love of God, low amount of spice. And they're still just like, burning my ears off yeah so i have not completely um tackled the the spice 
Well, I apologize for the milk milk question and taking us totally off track. There. But, uh, I am <laughs> really right. interested in these food options. Though. These are this is the uh, bonus end of the show bonus stuff that uh, people just love. Um, speaking of the people, uh, our patrons get to vote on polls like the one for this episode, plus our monthly tournament polls, plus. Uh, various other polls like for aughts episodes by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com that's where the patreon union forms you can uh, get on onto our discord where all sorts of chatter happens about bands and and gardening um digmeoutpodcast.com is where you go to uh, submit albums for our suggested album um, or on our suggested album page uh album artist while you're submitting it goes into our monthly poll and the patrons pick the album the box newsletter is also at digmeoutpodcast.com it's where you go to uh, sign up for the newsletter and get a monthly or excuse me a weekly calendar of releases relevant to aughts 90s and 80s music movies tv shows documentaries books all that kind of stuff and two one minute reviews each week. And lastly, Apple podcasts is where you go leave some positive feedback for the show. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out. <laughs>